This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. How did I get here? This question arises after the realization that the person you've spent a substantial amount of time with may be a narcissist. How could this happen? How did I not see? How did I allow this for so long? Do any of these questions sound familiar? They probably do because they are all part of the beginning process of healing yourself from this trauma. What I am here to tell you is that toxic and narcissistic people enter our lives because we have unhealed trauma wounds that can be manipulated. These wounds are often unknown to us, but very known to a skilled narcissist. Easily manipulated using their tried and true techniques, love bombing, valuing and devaluing, shelving, gaslighting, stonewalling, etc. I want to make this very clear. This abuse and trauma is not your fault. You did not ask for this, nor did you actively and consciously invite this into your life. The shadow, unconscious side of you left a door open that the narcissist found. Trauma presents itself in so many ways, but a major way it presents is in the core beliefs of ourselves and the world around us. Core beliefs are established in childhood and after traumatic events. Trauma can only be characterized by an event that was unsettling and caused maladaptive responses. There is no trauma gatekeeping here. Your trauma is valid and true, writes Courtney. Valeria interviews Courtney Leola. She is the owner of Onyx Counseling and Wellness Center and a trauma therapist specializing in narcissistic abuse recovery, disassociation, and complex trauma. She uses a multidimensional approach to therapy, allowing for total healing and wellness. Her approach to treating trauma is a root-based approach focusing on deeply ingrained patterns that keep us stuck in toxic and abusive cycles. These approaches are EMDR, CBT, shadow work, and somatic experiencing. Meet Courtney at onyxcounselingandwellness.com. Here's the interview with Courtney Laola. In your own words, who is Courtney Loyola? So in my words, I guess as a whole, who I am, I am a mental health therapist in Austin, Texas, who's opened up my own practice. And I'm a complex trauma survivor myself. So I opened up my practice to help individuals who are also suffering from complex trauma. And I'm a wife. I'm about to be a mother. I'm just about mm. eight months pregnant yeah. right now. Congratulations. <laughs> That's <you>. beautiful. 
I didn't know that. We <laughs> talked off record. He shouldn't say anything. <laughs> that is so wonderful. How does it feel, Courtney? Are we missing anything, women who choose or cannot have children? I have this conversation so much with not only my friends, but also clients in that you're not missing out on anything if motherhood is not the journey for you. And so that's kind of the conversation I have. If motherhood is the journey for you, that can look many different ways. It doesn't always have to be carrying your own child. It can be adoption. It could be through being an aunt where a lot of my very close girlfriends kind of, you know, describe themselves as being, you know, this aunt to my future son. And that has, that will be kind of their journey and being around children. But if Being a mother or being around kids is just not something that you see in your life's journey. You get so much purpose from many, many other parts of your life. So yeah, yeah. circle it back around. If it's not for you, you're not missing out. Yes, I love that answer. Yeah, and I agree wholeheartedly. It's so individualized, isn't it? Life itself. Yeah, it is. And what you made me think just now is about being a mother. Yeah, in an unconventional sense, I think about being a mother to my own self, the child, yeah. my own child. Because, you know, growing up, we're having a lot of trauma too. And then I see the child in me in need of nurturing and, and having a mother. It's kind of interesting how that works. And then mm -hmm. also people around me that they look like grown-ups, adults, but then they have a lot of baby sides to them. <laughs> so that kind of uh, makes me think about that kind of purpose that we can be mothers in so many different ways. But it's a beautiful journey, isn't it? To be biological mother, to carry an, a life within our own bodies. It must be incredibly magical. It is. It's a whole new understanding and perspective of my life and exactly what you were saying, how many of us are walking around with our unhealed children inside of us and the importance, you know, if we choose to have children to raise them well, that they won't have to heal their inner child when they get older. Mm, yes. Yeah. So being our own mothers um, to that child, that helps a lot, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love this as an insight and a message, <laughs> a very important <laughs> one right now. If you could talk to me for a moment about your own journey through complex trauma, perhaps just some of the uh, insights you gained throughout that journey from being traumatized to being this healthy, beautiful woman you are today. Oh, well, first, thank you. Hi, that. you're welcome. <laughs> I see that. It's really beautiful. What you do yeah. and how you do it and how you speak even is very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I guess my journey, I am a survivor of childhood abuse. And so my biological father, never fully diagnosed, but has all of the the signs and the traits of someone who has narcissism. And so that's kind of how I found myself specializing in narcissistic abuse recovery, because I had a parent with a lot of those traits. And what then I realized throughout my life is I developed patterns where I invited similar type of people like that into my life. And it kept creating more and more trauma and chaos within my life. And that's really influenced the work that I do with my clients. I, I specialize in graduate school in trauma. I knew that's what I wanted to do. But 
my life experience has also really influenced the way that I perceive and treat complex trauma and recognizing that it's important to treat it from a root-based holistic perspective rather than getting tied up in the symptoms that trauma create. Because that's often in traditional therapy, a lot of therapists can get tied up in the symptoms and it can help in the moment, but then we go off and repeat our patterns over and over again and we re-traumatize ourselves. We already get into the topic. I have so many other questions here, the <laughs> open questions, but it's, it's such an interesting topic uh, for me. And I remember that when I talked to somebody, I think last year here about narcissism, I was very uneasy listening to all the, the characteristics and how they behave and what they do, because mm -hmm. I knew these people were around me. So I was so uneasy that day, I couldn't sleep even. And now it's getting yeah. better and better. It's almost like a, an acceptance kind of um, response mm -hmm. to the, the situation. So I guess the question is, for some of us who are more inclined, like myself, to do spiritual work, which it's what I do, I always fall into these uh, practices of accepting what is, not accepting mm -hmm. abuse, but accepting what life is, how life is happening. And then trusting life itself, that there is a reason why this is happening. If life brought me here to this moment in time, that means it knows where it's taking me. But I would love to hear your perspective, because that's my perspective coming from my spiritual background and studies and practices, like seeing that against your own perspective as a clinician, as a therapist. So my own perspective on, you know, how we come to be where we are after experiencing yes. trauma. Yeah, that'll be, okay. yes, yeah. So typically how I approach it in my practice when I talk with clients is I, I do work from a lot of a radical acceptance, you know, experience, which is pulling from dialectical behavioral therapy, which is recognizing that we cannot change nor control our past, even though many of us wish that we could. And so placing energy there at the end of the day doesn't do as much good in our present moment as well as bringing in a different future. And so it's not waving away the abuse. It's not saying that it was okay, but it's saying, I understand what occurred to me. I'm going to process through it, but I also recognize that I can't change it. And so how we walk into our future and stay very much in the present is recognizing that we don't exactly have to be grateful or thankful for our trauma. What we can do is the best we can do. So we're here because of our experiences. Again, we probably wish that we could make them not have happened, but they did. And getting a lot of empowerment. So we got ourselves to where we are today and we can decide what our lives look like. So it's taking back our power. It's taking back our control. Um, because there's sometimes a lot of people who struggle with the ideology that I, I needed to go through the trauma to be the person I am today. And that's not always the case. Sometimes we can 
we could have become who we are today without the trauma. We really don't know. I love to hear that because it is very much true. I have heard this over and over again here on the podcast too. Around me with friends, of course, who have had a lot of traumas, a lot of issues in life. They tend to say that. That's something that I don't say that I'm grateful for what I went through. I never mm -hmm. say that because I don't believe yeah. it. It doesn't make sense to me, any sense. I would rather not go through everything that I went through to become the person I am today. And who knows, maybe I, I would have become even better. <laughs> I always think that way. It's almost like a, perhaps too optimistic and too uh, positive, but I don't know. But then that's why I always go to spirituality. Why is this happening? Why would you be born in a family around people who are very abusive to you. Yeah. What have you done to them to deserve that? And that, I know the law of karma explains a lot of it, but then it's not like punishment. It's just that whatever we do, it's energy. So it comes back, automatically comes back. It's something that is just a law within that spiritual realm or perhaps even physical, who knows? It just kind of depends on what you believe in and what brings you a certain level of peace. But I always talk with my clients on this, yes, and like, yes, you can believe that maybe there was, this is karmic energy coming back around, or you have a soul contract and it still doesn't make the abuse okay. And you're still allowed to be angry. You're still allowed to be upset with what you experienced. And so allowing both truths to exist at the same time. So one of my initial questions, the open questions, it's about mental health. How do you define mental health these days? What is to be mentally healthy? Oh, that's a tough one I, because it's, <laughs> because it's, I guess each person can describe it differently. I guess, you know, my, my view of mental health is living in balance. And so that's a huge thing, again, that I work with my clients on is I call it kind of finding the gray where a lot of our lives, we experience things that are very polarizing, they're very black and white. And this is where we get a lot of strife and discord within our own lives is when we can't find that middle ground. If you're able to find your balance and find your middle ground, that is where mental health lives. It's not denying the negative. It's not denying the positive. It's allowing both to exist and whatever that looks like for you. It sounds like freedom, doesn't it, to be able to do that? Is that possible, Courtney, to embody this idea, this concept of balance in everyday life, in every moment? Or this is something that it's a constant practice? It is something that definitely is a constant practice because, like I said, our our day-to-day -day lives, the information that we receive on a day-to-day -day basis will try to pull us back into this polarized way of viewing things. And so it is important to stay up on it. And the moment you begin to recognize what your balance feels like, you can learn what unbalanced feels like. And so when you feel unbalanced, you know how to get back to a balanced state. But it's not something that can exist continuously and all the time because that's just not the society that we live in. And nothing's 100%. Unfortunately, I wish we all could live 
balanced 100% of the time, I feel like we would be a lot happier as a society. <laughs> <That's for sure. laughs> that is for sure. Yeah, I have heard of some environments that they actually allow for this to happen. Like some Buddhist countries, I have heard about Bhutan. I'm not sure if you heard about this country. That mm-hmm. Most of the people there, they're very happy people, peaceful because yeah. the environment, the society, it's actually religious-based, but it helps when it comes to happiness and peace and all that. So I'm wondering if this is something that is missing in our modern societies, going back perhaps to a deeper way of seeing life, of understanding ourselves and life itself. I would call it spirituality. It's just a label, but it's mm-hmm. basically going back to basics, to simplicity and to love. Yeah. Is that something that you feel too, Courtney? Absolutely. I feel like we've lost track of things that were more simplistic. The more that we complicate our lives, the more distressed we become. And so often we're not present within our lives anymore. And that's why so much anxiety exists. Anxiety doesn't exist in the present moment. It's us worrying about the future, regretting the past. And, you know, being present, that's where, again, you find your health. That's where you find your balance. And many of us are missing it. I have done that in the past as well. And I see people around me doing that, which is medicating the mind with the mind by um, when they feel anxious or fearful and then they automatically go to TV, some sort of distraction. Mm -hmm. So it's like trying to calm down the mind with replacing actually fear with something else. But it, it never works. I remember trying that before and never did. It was just by being quiet, meditating, and doing the things I do today, that these spiritual practices, breathing is actually um, also part of therapeutic healing approaches, breathing and all that meditation. But that's interesting to see how much distractions we have um, these days. Television, we have everything at our fingertips on our phones. We're so used to distracting ourselves. And that goes back to the work that I do, which is root based. And so, with the distractions, there's this level of dissociation many of us live in with our social media. Everything is just at our fingertips, and we scroll and we scroll. And what we're doing is temporarily taking maybe away the sadness or some of our anxiety. But in the long term, we're distracted by the symptoms. We're not getting down to the root and we're not we're not really correcting anything. The question is, do we always need to suffer to a certain extent to turn into healing, to find that place, that um, path that will lead us to inner peace again? And that's the question that I often ask, but I would love to hear from you, too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you can, I use the metaphor, the analogy of life, it, life and its struggles and its suffering is kind of like an elevator that continuously will go down and we get to, we get to choose when we jump off. And so not all of us need to go through a tremendous amount of suffering to then emerge a healed person we all get to choose when we jump off that elevator and it's different for all of us. 
I want to um, let the audience know that you are the owner of Onyx Counseling and Wellness Center, a trauma therapist specializing in narcissism, narcissistic abuse recovery, dissociation, and complex trauma. Yes, that's um, my specialties. My clinic as a whole, we I have two therapists who work under me right now, and we're all trauma specialists who kind of specialize in our own different subsects of trauma. But as a whole, the the business is about healing mm. everyone from trauma. When you speak of choice, do you think that that choice could come from inspiration? For example, listening to a conversation like this? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the choice can come from anything that comes into our lives, but the main thing is readiness. And so healing begins when we're ready because healing is painful. And this is why a lot of us, you know, prolong the process of beginning our healing journey because it's long and it's really hard. But the moment that we're ready, that's when choice really comes in and we can take action. That makes a lot of sense. And how do we know, or what makes us ready to heal, Courtney, from your experience? Often it is the awareness maybe of patterns. Some people yeah. begin to go, yeah. wow, my life seems to always be in chaos and I don't understand why. And I'm really ready to just get off this ride. Some people simply just get fed up with being unhappy. Or there's a, a big event that's occurred in their lives, a breakup, a death, a loss in some way. Right. Patterns. Yeah, that's a big one, I noticed, for me, has been mm -hmm. the observation. And then a lot of times we choose to deny. I noticed within myself for so many years, I denied. I was aware of the pattern, but I was in denial. Perhaps like yeah. trying to fix the issue myself, the painful pattern. And I couldn't. So it's interesting how we need one another. We need support. And that's mm -hmm. why therapy is such a wonderful option when it comes to seeing clearly and, and making that choice. I think about my own experience and how painful it, it was just to watch that happening and not be able to do anything. I never done therapy. Maybe was not ready for that. The question is, is therapy for everyone? Well, I always say yes. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> not everyone requires therapy to heal. And so, you know, therapy isn't going to be a one size fits all or you have to have therapy to be able to become a healed person or be on your healing journey. It's just an amazing avenue to have safety and Someone sitting in front of you who is non-judgmental and non-biased, and you can tell this person what you believe is the worst parts of yourself and not fear rejection. That's the huge thing with therapy and why it's so beneficial is you have this person sitting in front of you who can shine a light on certain things, but is not coming from a place of judgment. So your approach, you have mentioned already, is mind-body, root-based approach. And yes. you also 
say you use terms like multidimensional approach to therapy, EMDR, mm -hmm. CBT, shadow work, and somatic experiencing. I'd love to hear about shadow work and somatic, of course, is a very interesting one because you're using the body, of course, the body-mind connection. But the shadow work is an interesting one for me. I would love to hear more from you. What is shadow work and how can we recognize when the shadow is at play? Yeah, so shadow work comes from, well, the way that I use shadow work comes from a theorist. His name is Carl Jung. And so what he stated was that the parts of ourselves that we are shameful about, that we dislike about ourselves are kind of shoved into our shadow. And it is still very much a part of ourselves, but it is very difficult to heal because we continue to shame and guilt those pieces of ourselves, creating such a dissociation. And we notice our shadow comes forward as a protection piece. It's often an unhealed inner child, but it's a self-sabotager. It is often the reason why we have patterns in our lives. If you grew up in a household that was emotionally neglectful or abusive, you begin to learn how to build walls around yourself emotionally. And the intention of that was to protect yourself. But later on in life, you recognize that it is really hard for you to connect with people. These are the patterns that your shadow creates. And so the work that I do is when we name it, we name the shadow, we shine a light on it, and we begin to love and accept our shadow as a part of ourselves. And through that healing and through that love and acceptance, we kind of bring the shadow into the light. We integrate all parts of ourselves, and that is where you find your balance and your healing. I would love for you to explain what the characteristics of narcissistic person would have. But I know that there's a difference between narcissistic behaviors and uh, narcissism as a disorder. Yes. Big difference between people who exhibit traits of narcissism and someone who has narcissistic personality disorder is a lack of empathy. So a person who has a personality disorder, who has narcissistic personality disorder, really, really lacks empathy. And so that is the main, the main difference. And so it's actually a very small subsect of our society, people who are diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. But since narcissism as a word has become more popular, people are attributing more and more people saying, oh, you have that personality disorder. When in reality, I place people on a spectrum. And so the narcissistic personality disorder would be all the way polarized on the very, very unhealthy side of how a person has dealt with their own trauma in life. Many of us have, when we're unhealed and we're still in our trauma, we have narcissistic traits. And often these are coming from a place of self-preservation. So the main difference is that they lack in empathy. They are not able to relate to other people's suffering, right, Courtney? Right, uh, yeah. I heard about psychopath. What is the difference between narcissism as a disorder and psychopathy? 
So narcissism as a disorder, these individuals are very self-serving and self-seeking, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a danger to society. And they're not necessarily out to harm or hurt other people, though many people are hurt and harmed in the wake of what they do on their day-to-day life. And so psychopathy and psychopaths, these are individuals who fill a hole within themselves, fill that vacancy with terrorizing others. And so their, their motivation and their goal is actually to harm and to hurt other people. The narcissistic personality disorder, they become narcissistics or they're born narcissistic. It's the same thing with psychopaths. Yeah, I mean, my the way that I view it is it's both. And so there are some people who are born with their brain chemistry being altered in some way where they they come out of the womb and, you know, it is psychopathy or narcissistic personality disorder. And it's pretty apparent from the start if you kind of hindsight look back on their life. Some people are, some people become, like you said, become individuals like this because of life experience. Yeah trauma. How sad, when we think about it, it's almost like um, a form of sadness kind of sets in when I think Mm -hmm. about these uh, disorders and these behaviors. They don't make sense to me. I know that it happens and um, a lot of times they they don't recognize. That's what surprised me, that they are not able to become aware of their own behaviors and how they're hurting other people. Even Mm -hmm. unintentionally, which is the case with some narcissistic people. So is that something that you have actually experienced, seen some narcissistic people to recognize their own issues and and become better and seek help? Yeah, it does happen. It, It honestly depends on where they fall on that spectrum. And so often people who have narcissistic traits it really requires a massive life event to come into their lives to have them see and begin to learn how to have self-awareness. But it's really challenging because still at the basis of these types of individuals is this self-serving, self-seeking mentality. And so it takes a lot of work. And it's not saying that that will heal the brain because it doesn't really. It is a lifelong journey and an everyday struggle for these people to build their empathy, to see life outside themselves. But yeah, people can change. The article you sent to me that I read that was published on brainsmagazine.com, so brainsmagazine.com, that you have written, it's titled uh, The Complex Trauma Symptom Spectrum. So there I read about the difference between borderline personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. It's interesting. I was talking to you about that, trying to find a term, and now I see here that I made a note about that. <laughs> and you said a lot of symptoms of BPD, borderline personality disorder, and some of narcissistic personality disorder are similar to complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I would love to hear more about this. Absolutely. So with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, it 
is an accumulation of so many different trauma responses in individuals. And often in our field where the diagnoses have become a little bit more compartmentalized and treatment plans are trying to be written on how to work with individuals that women most likely are going to be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder if they have complex post-traumatic stress disorder because there's emotional dysregulation, there's self-harm, fear of abandonment. A lot of these things come from the trauma that they have experienced. And it's not a personality disorder. It is symptoms of unhealed trauma. And the same goes for narcissistic personality disorder. disproportionately diagnosed in men. And often it's because of how we socialize the genders, right? Women and men traditionally have been socialized to express and manage their emotions differently. Men have been socialized to guard them, to be very cagey about their emotions, which comes off as lack of empathy. And women have been encouraged maybe to be a little bit more expressive in their emotions. There's, there's more freedom to have emotions, but it's also to our demise a lot of times where we are considered overly emotional. And then here we are strapped with a borderline personality disorder diagnosis. You're right. Trauma has been shown to directly impact the brain and how it develops and adapts. With this understanding, one can deduce that trauma can impact personality traits. So that goes back to this uh, fundamental truth that trauma will change the brain and, of course, affect uh, our personality, the way we navigate reality, we mm-hmm. perceive and see everything. And is that something that actually you have also come across <laughs> out of curiosity? People who never had trauma that they are trauma-free since birth. Is that something that you have experienced, like seen friends or anybody near you? I would love to know how, because everybody around me had trauma. So I'm thinking, what is the difference? Are they very different from us? Well, in my experience, I have never met a person who has not ever experienced trauma. And so trauma is so many different things. It's so many different events. And what basically trauma is, is the brain categorizing an event as a, in a stressful way. And it's programming it in a way that's unhealthy for our minds and our bodies. That could be so many different things. And so there are different levels of trauma. There are people who have experienced big, massive, life-changing events, and some people who haven't experienced those life-changing events. And not saying one is more detrimental than the other, but sometimes the heaviness of a trauma changes the brain just slightly more than another trauma experience. I read somewhere, I can't remember where, somebody said here, I think I asked them to define trauma. And I remember hearing trauma is an incomplete experience in a sense that the brain has perceived that as an experience to be completed. So that's why the patterns are formed, because we are looking to complete that experience. Have you heard that before? (laughs) That was kind of, it surprised me to hear that way, but it made sense at that time. 
Yeah, I've heard that perspective of trauma being an uncompleted experience. Um, I view trauma like that, but slightly different. And the fact that I view trauma and the way that we experience it is always our desires, our innate human desires for survival. And so sometimes I talk with my clients on trauma and what that looks like is, you know, maybe from an evolutionary perspective, our our caveman ancestors would be fearful if a lion came near them and they would guard and protect themselves and be ready to flight, like our fight flight response would come forward. The moment that lion went away, so did their fear. We have lost that with the development of our brains, with the complexity of our society. We now have the ability for foresight and forethought. And so we always then fear the lion will return. That's our trauma. And so that's how I believe patterns exist, because there's always a fear that this will happen again. There's another article that I mentioned off record. We're almost at the end, Courtney, but I have so many other questions here. <laughs> There's a piece that you have written that's titled Five Signs You May Be Experiencing Narcissistic Abuse. That caught my attention, of course, because I would love for the audience to know, including myself, how to recognize when we are being abused. So yeah. I'd love to hear that. If you don't have that in front of you, I have here some of the points. Sure. So the first one that I put is you are hypervigilant to this person's needs over your own. And so what I mean by that is you begin to set your needs aside because you're trying to manage and control this person's emotions for them. And it's often because you're fearful of the outcome if you don't. And number two is you constantly question yourself and believe you are wrong. So a very, a telltale sign of narcissistic abuse is gaslighting and the disruption of your reality. You begin to believe that your reality is wrong because this person is telling you over and over that it is. And the third one is your nervous system only slightly calms when you have significant distance and time from this person. So sometimes this happens when you are going on an errand and this errand may be 30 or 45 minutes from your home, but you notice the further you get away, the calmer you feel. Yeah. And it's like you are leaving this bubble of abuse. I thought about a hurricane almost. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. you're getting away from the hurricane. You're getting out of the eye of the storm. Yeah. It's amazing how when I read these, it resonated with me, my own experience in the past, and some of them at the present moment, of course. I'm still kind of living the pattern, but very much aware that's here. <laughs> Thank you so much, Courtney, for being you and doing what you do. Such a gift. So let's see. I have the ending questions for you. But before I ask them, would you like to add anything that you left unsaid? Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like we covered so much. But I guess just always the the driving home that I have with all of my clients is healing 
it sounds simplistic, but it is very difficult in reality. But please don't let that deter you mm. from healing. Yeah. We all deserve it. Yeah, beautifully said. We all deserve to heal. Yes, yeah. a billion times to that. So my ending questions, I'll ask this one that I wanted to ask earlier. What do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? That's a good question. Uh, the purpose of the human experience. I, I feel like it's experience. I feel like the most important thing is for us to allow ourselves to enjoy and to be present and to love and to experience all the emotions experience everything in our lives with some emotional regulation that helps right. <laughs> for some who don't for some who don't have that <laughs> that <Right>. really helps <laughs> i love that experience right that's very comforting i don't know why because I, i tend to believe that yeah i don't like the idea of pushing away anything and when you say that it just brings back this realm of trust of acceptance of just being present and and let the present just happen and be here with whatever it brings. So my other question is, ending question, what is another word for healing? Um, a word that I use a lot of the time is transformation. And because transformation looks, feels differently for everybody. And you get to decide how you will transform. Yeah, so true. And a question that I didn't ask you to, that just came to me now is, do you have any spiritual views, belief systems, concepts for yourself in life? Any spirituality, spiritual practices? Yeah, so for myself, I, I do consider myself more spiritual. I don't really subscribe to anything in particular. I do believe a lot in energy and our ability to harness it and the importance of protecting our energy. And so I guess that's, that's the main takeaway piece of any spirituality that I have is just recognizing our own energies and the impacts it's having on us and those around us. Yes, um, that's interesting to hear. Energy, which everything is energy, like mm -hmm. thoughts, that's a big one. And then when we think about psychology, it's spirituality, isn't it? The science of studying these invisible forms of energy, thoughts, emotions, and all that. I mean, they become visible pretty quick sometimes, but it's okay. still exploring the invisible world. I love that answer too. So thank you so much again, Courtney, for being here today, for having thank this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this healing conversation. And uh, before we say goodbye for today, where can we find more information about you, your work, services, and future projects? Yeah, so my website is onyxcounselingandwellness.com. And you can find me on Instagram at onyx.counselingandwellness. And Facebook is at Onyx Counseling. Wonderful. I'll have the link of your website on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Courtney Laiola and her work, please visit onyxcounselingandwellness.com.
learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.